I'm very excited this week, Diary listeners. I feel like Santa came early for all of us. We have the gift of the wonderful Byron Brooks. He's a local comedian and uh, just a really, really sweet guy. Uh, We sat, we chatted, and I have to admit that I actually pushed him ahead for reasons that you'll find out later. In the uh, the diary entry lineup, there's lots of reasons for that, but we are dubbing this first part of his diary entry, Human Chess. Enjoy, listeners. Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined. Let's be real, we're still working on refined. <laughs> what it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made. Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. Awesome. Welcome, Diary listeners. I'm here today with Byron Brooks, a local comedian here in uh, Maryland, Baltimore County specific, but I'm sure you travel a lot of other places too. Yes. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Um, Forgive me if I'm wrong, but we kind of met through the BJJ circuit, right? That is correct. I'm a coach at uh, Ground Control Owings Mills. Uh, Been a member of Ground Control for Coming up 15 years in June. So yeah, right <laughs> that, on. that's you. <laughs> well, and I say that because my sincere love of podcasts really birthed around that time period because. Oh, nice. Yeah. I started listening to a lot more of Joe Rogan and, mm-hmm. and then I was coupling that with BJJ. So, or yeah, I'm saying that right. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I was, uh, I was I was kind of connecting all the dots and I had loved podcasts a little bit before that, but I got really into it and then decided mm. I wanted my own. Um, so this is kind of cool in a multifaceted kind of way. <laughs> nice. um, how long have you been a comedian? Uh, six years now. Oh, wow, dude. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, is it like I know nothing? I only have assumption. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I, so. I guess, um, how did that, how did that transpire? Like, how did you get into it? It's a long story. I have severe ADHD. So, (laughs) so I constantly have to do stuff and have to be involved in things. Um, long time ago when I moved here to, um, the Maryland area, because I'm originally from uh, North Carolina, I was in, uh, several bands, um, And after getting tired of, you know, bandmates with drug problems and people not showing up and things like that, I decided, well, you know, I spent most of my life like doing martial arts. I wrestled in high school, um, saw this UFC thing. And I was like, let me let me just try that. (laughs) I might actually be pretty good at it. And that's basically how I started doing um, mixed martial arts. And then after doing mixed martial arts and uh, competing at jujitsu and things like that, um, I got to the age where I just didn't want to compete anymore. I just, you know, it, it it didn't be, it wasn't fun anymore, but I had to occupy that part of my brain. (laughs) So I said, same thing as you, um, about the same time I was, um, heavy into listening to Joe Rogan, uh, Joey Diaz, people like that. And, you know, I was like, well, these guys are constantly talking about, you know, just going to an open mic and do it. Just go to an open mic. You don't, you don't have to have the greatest material, but, you know, it's your first time. So I, after a while of listening to them, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to an open mic. And then, yeah. you know, <laughs> stayed there, <laughs> basically. <laughs> That's really, I mean, you know, I I feel like with BJJ and martial arts as a background, you certainly get the moxie to be like, well, if anybody cops an attitude with me after the event, <laughs> yeah, I know how absolutely. to take care of myself a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, definitely. I have to, I have to attribute, you know, mixed martial arts and BJJ to being able, just being confident on the mm-hmm. microphone. Um, you know, because, you know, you it's, it's nerve wracking sitting there waiting for your name to be called and then going up in front of a bunch of strangers and talking to them. Um, being a mixed martial arts coach, I do that every time I instruct a class. Mm -hmm. So it, 
gave me a lot of confidence. Even if my jokes weren't good, I I said them with confidence, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and a kindness too, because I didn't, I didn't do it long before I realized my body was at that limit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it was like no no it's fine I was like no it's really not fine um, <laughs> yeah at some point you got to slow down like <laughs> or you'll uh, just I mean, break yeah when I when I entered they were like so uh what you know what if, I was like I've done nothing I know nothing I just <laughs> I just heard this was cool and I didn't get hit so <laughs> yeah. there you go I've there come to find out my body's not not even really great about that. <laughs> so, but what I found was this natural, um, you know, people think of it when martial arts and stuff like they think of it as a very aggressive thing. And I think that, as you pointed out, it does build confidence in a way that's very measured because mm-hmm. you really understand who you are and what you are in that realm. And it's so nice because as you mentioned too, the ADHD, the the physical exertion that it it makes you do and the chess maneuvers and games is so uh, I mean, it's it's not it's it's like the best kind of exhaustion within yeah, it is. It's 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 a combination of mental and physical exhaustion to a point where when you're not doing BJJ, you're very calm. Like Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, next time you go in, it's going to be <laughs> a mental and physical war. <laughs> well, and I found kind too, because yeah. I feel like it gave you a very real perspective of people on a physical level and kind of let you know, like, oh, if I were to engage with this person, these are the things that I would have to, on a physical level, this is what Absolutely. I'd have to worry about. Absolutely. And, yeah. And I, I tell people all the time, you know, like there's a huge perception now that like when you're you're being in a verbal kind of back and forth that you could be attacked. And Absolutely. I was like, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Being, <laughs> being attacked is when we're not talking anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, right now, there's still a lot of hope for this conversation we're having. <laughs> when when it goes beyond words, then you're being attacked. Um, Got you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. You know, and one thing one thing I think people don't realize about even in comedy, it's it's the same thing I see in comedy. Um, when you go to a mixed martial arts gym or a jujitsu gym, you're going to have all ages, all walks of life, all religious affiliations and political affiliations. And you're all there training. You're not talking about all that stuff. You're just a team Mm -hmm. and you love each other. And, you know, you're there for each other. You don't care, you know, if I'm a Republican or he's a Democrat or, you know, that's a man or a woman or, you know, it's just a team that loves each other. (laughs) And it's, Honestly, the same way in comedy, there's comedians that just come from all walks of life, but we see each other as comedians. We don't see each other as, you know, this type of person, or I believe in this, we're all on the same team, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's funny because this kind of brings us back to how this kind of transpired us coming yeah. together for the podcast, because I was like, it's official now. I love Matt Rife. <laughs> Everybody like, loves dude, him. I'm fucking funny. <laughs> I've been your friend for forever. Like the hell. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's, that's kind of fucked up. (laughs) Come on my show. (laughs) And, and I have, I've wanted to like, I've wanted to talk because I love comedy and my heart Mm -hmm. has been broken for a very long time since COVID and since all of this. Yep. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like, I mean, because you're you've experienced now four years out of the six that you've been practicing comedy in that landscape. Yeah, um, definitely. There was a change. Um, I'll just talk about the local scene. Um, There was a definite change in the local scene since before COVID and after COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually think COVID was a good thing for comedy. During the time, during the lockdown, I thought it was the most horrible thing ever. (laughs) But coming out of it, um, what it did was all the comedians um, who were active before COVID, if they really didn't love what they were doing or they weren't passionate about comedy, they quit. 
Oh, um, that's, that's so good. what happened is the ones who really, really work hard and the ones who who, um, you know, are passionate about their comedy rose to the top. Mm -hmm. And also there was a huge crop of brand. We call them COVID comedians because mm -hmm. I would say 30 percent of the comedians locally right now came directly after COVID. They decided after COVID, I'm going to try comedy. And a lot of them are really solid comedians, uh, good people. Mm -hmm. So I would say when people ask me about, you know, the whole COVID and comedy, I, I think it was a good thing. I think it made it made the comedians who are really serious about what they're doing kind of rise to the top, you know. I'd have to say the same mm -hmm. in general about COVID, because yeah. I think that um, not enough people were really um, keeping death in, in mind as they were making mm -hmm. choices. And I yep. think that that helped a lot of people kind of really make some solid choices for themselves afterwards. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but even in tattooing, it's the same thing. I've interviewed a few people now that were COVID tattoo babies. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and they're freaking out right now because they're like, what the hell's happening? Like there's this snow season. And I was like, oh, y'all were reaping in the benefits of that, yep. that after COVID <laughs> all the benefits. explosion yeah. of people like coming out of the woodworks being like, we need to feel again. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, the I, I agree with you. Um, so before that, like uh where was your first open mic night? My first open mic um was at a place called I it was a place called what was it? The Sidebar Open Mic in Baltimore. Okay. Um, this place called the Sidebar, which was a punk rock club. Okay. Um, they had basically the for the longest time before COVID the most popular open mic. Um, but being my first time there, I didn't know I was going to get hazed. Um, <laughs> so I, <laughs> so I show up to this open mic. Um, of you know. They, they, I believe it started eight. You're supposed to get there to sign up around seven 30. So I got there super early. I was a second person on the list. Um, you know, sat there, I got myself a drink and sat there and waited and waited and waited and 11 o'clock rolls by. I've had five or six drinks and they finally call my name. <laughs> So I, of course, I go up there and bomb miserably. And I honestly didn't do another open mic for another two months after that. Because I was kind of like, you know, if I'm going to go to an open mic and every time I go, I'm going to be the last person up, you know, and I got I got to work in the morning, you know, this might not be for me. Right. And then um, about two months later, I was still writing comedy. Um this girl named Christy Bellich ran an open mic at what they called Lou Costello room in Hamden, uh, Baltimore. Um, she right under her post, she wrote, this is a no pressure open mic. And I said, well, let me try this again. And she was super fair. She put me up in the order that we got in. She was super, super supportive. Um, always gave me like advice after I got off stage always told me to come back. Glad to have you here. And really, honestly, if I, uh, she's who really kept me motivated to doing, um, to doing comedy. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Christy Bellage out there. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, and, and her club and the open mic night forum. Um, yeah. that's really cool. So there's a lot of similarities between, mm -hmm. Uh, what you're doing, and I found this no matter what professional I've had on this podcast, this very, um, when, when you pursue passion in a nonlinear way, it's very similar. And, um, yeah. you know, you, you find your old heads that uh, believe in a certain amount of hazing uh, yeah. for, <laughs> for their yeah. noobs, like, oh, they got to earn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. What what was uh what was your approach on your first one? Um, but besides the the drinking, you know, a couple of drinks and all that stuff. But like, how did you how did you formulate your first set? Like, um, how did you go about planning for that, or did you so, not? <laughs> um, I did. I I wrote what I thought was a good set. Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, being your first time up, that's that's a hit or miss every time because you really don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I did, which probably was the wrong thing to do, was I would write stories about things that happened in my life, but I wasn't really a good storyteller Mm -hmm. um, at the time. And I tried to write a new five minutes every week. So at that time, I was going to an open mic twice a week. Um, I wanted new material every week. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a mistake. (laughs) Uh, What I should have been doing was sticking to one five minutes and then using all that time to perfect that five minutes and figure out how to get laughs instead of oh, that kind of is okay. Let me go to something new. Um, So I did that for about six months until I realized, hey, I need to just, the jokes that are getting laughs, I need to perfect those jokes. I need to say those in front of new people. I need to um, switch up how I say it, you know? Um, So the first year of comedy for me um, was a big learning experience. And I did it a lot different than other comedians. And I took this from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, to be honest with you. Um, When I first started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, people would always ask me, when are you going to do your first competition? And, you know, you're like two or three months in and you're like, I don't know anything. (laughs) Like, get out of my face, (laughs) bro. Like, this is overwhelming. (laughs) My first day, I had a crotch in my face and they were, they asked me what I would do in the situation that I was like face to face with another man. And I was like, well, usually we'd make out, but I don't think that's what this is about right now. And they just like were aghast. And I was like, what assholes? Like, seriously, like, I don't know what this is confronting. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So I took that experience when I started doing comedy and I didn't accept the show until a whole complete year because mm-hmm. I didn't want to go up with half-assed material and then somebody, you know, a booker say, oh, well, we're not going to invite him back, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, it took, yeah, it was a year, a whole entire year before I said, somebody asked me, do you want to do a show? And I was like, yes, I'll do a show. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot, I would say almost 98% of the comedians, as soon as they do an open mic, they want to do a show. And they get very, and I think that's where the recidivism rate comes in, where they quit, is because they want those shows and they want those big shows way too fast. And mm-hmm. it's like, develop develop your comedy first. Right. Because you can get a big show. And like like I said earlier, go up there and bomb. They're never going to invite you back. Never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and uh, and it, honestly, it's the same. It's the mm-hmm. same with anything. You know, you got those hungry hearts. That's why I started this podcast was really to let people know the kind of turnaround that they could hope to have. Yeah. And it was the same thing with me and um, BJJ. Like people were like, oh, you really should do a competition. And I said, you know, I... I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand the things that I would get out of a competition, but um, I, I'm really just, I'm looking to develop very specific things right now. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yep. And, and I think too, in, you know, if we, we kind of correlate it to um, tattooing for a second, like there's a big push right now for people to really segregate within a style of, And you see that in BJJ too, like people have their signature moves and things like that. Well, you know, when you do that too quickly, um, first of all, it, it, you're, you're putting yourself in a competitive field that you have no business putting yourself in, but also, right. But, um, but also like, there's this huge, like, you know, heartbreak of like, why aren't people like wanting to do my style? It's my style. And it's like, because dude, if you don't have enough people actually asking for your style specifically, Mm -hmm. then you know, you're not ready to signify within a style. And it's like you, I think you have to have enough people really ask you like, do, do a show, do a show, do a show. And then once you have a lot of people asking you to do a show, then you know you're ready to do it. Then show. you know exactly. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. That that's pretty much how I how I did it. It was it was every once in a while somebody asked me, "Hey, you want to do this show?" and I'd be like, "You know, I just I don't feel like I'm ready for this." And then mm-hmm. around the year mark, it was 
four or five people, hey, you want to do this show? Maybe not. By the third person, like within that week, I was like, well, they obviously think I'm ready. <laughs> right. So, right. Well, and they need to be try. Yeah. different people and different perspectives because the yeah. first person who says that to you, you're like, what is your motivations for me? Exactly. Doing show? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Do you just want to watch me flail around you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> for your own amusement? Like, I know this would be fun for you, but <laughs> I'm going to die. <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, and um, what do you, I mean, now that you've been doing this, I mean, I might be jumping. I'm going to, I'm oh, going to pause that. I'm yeah. going to pause that. I'm going to, okay. we'll get, we'll get to that. Um, I wanted to touch back to COVID for a second. Um, do you feel like, uh, because this was the thing in, in tattooing as well and fostering this new generation. Do you think that uh, it really forced you guys to adopt tools to communicate your comedy um, like the internet and really like kind of ground you in those kind of online tools? Yes and no. Um, we definitely, because of COVID, the whole um, virtual comedy, um, on, you know, Zoom comedy became mm-hmm. popular. Um, I did not like it at all. <laughs> it's a different type. It's a different type of comedy when you're audience or squares on a computer um Mm -hmm. the timing's different uh you have to tell your jokes different i and you just don't get the you're getting last but you don't get the same adrenaline rush as actually being in front of live people Mm -hmm. uh so it was it was good for a while it lasted but i'm kind of glad it's gone every once in a while you'll still see you know an online comedy show or stuff like that but it's not as prevalent as it used to be um Other than that, like the technology that we're using, I see a lot of, um, I actually do flyers for a lot of the local comedians for their shows. Oh, right on. So, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So we're actually using a lot of AI to make flyers, AI to make, um, like, um, my friend who runs the port, he has, uh, you know, he has upwards of 30 comedians that he has a week that he's got a schedule and put on specific days. And he just lets AI do it now, yeah. <laughs> you know, he no, puts that's a good way to do it. it. Yep. And just let's let him hand, let the AI handle the work. So um, that's one, definitely one technology that's uh, become prevalent in comedy now. Diary listeners, if you are an artist, my hope is this holiday season you have had awesome opportunities to express yourself creatively, made gifts for family. There's nothing better than doing something like that for a loved one. But if you've been in the dumps and it's kind of been slow when it comes to, especially if you're a tattoo artist, you know, things like that, AIs moving in on your freaking job as a as a designer or an illustrator, never fear. Go back to the drawing board. It might just be time for you to meet with a group of artists and get some continuing education. You can do that with reinventing the tattoo. Go and click in our show notes, the TAD10 link. It's, it'll give you 10% off your reinventing the tattoo subscription. It's a full year, 10% off is great. And I have to mention that before the 10% off, it's a steal. It really, really is. With or without it, we do get get a kickback. I'm not even going to lie. You'll be paying us as well as reinventing the tattoo. But even if you don't find it that way, my hope is, is that you will get a subscription. It is the best way to up your game as an artist of any kind, really. It's perfect. If you're a studio owner, buy it for your crew. Guy encourages people to share the login information so that the entire studio can grow together. This is a fun way for everybody to learn and, you know, grow. So go and do that. Don't be in the dumps this holiday season because we got a new year ahead and it's going to be spectacular. I know it's a bit late in the game, diary listeners. If you are stuck in a situation where you don't have the right gift, it might be time to bring out the macaroni and make somebody a necklace. (laughs) I don't know if I would want to brave any of the stores at this point, but 
if you happen to be in a situation where you're not meeting with everybody right on the day, those friends, maybe some family that you're not going to see for a little bit, don't forget, you can still order something from my friends, Tara Bell at Tara Kendall Creations. She's got an Etsy shop, fantastic products that she's done. There's also Ken Madden of Mad K Studios. He's an amazing car guy. He does great car portraits. Probably too late to commission anything, but maybe if you know somebody whose uh, birthday is coming up or something like that, he also has spectacular products that he's already put out on HorribleDesigns.com. You can catch his product line there. Just look up Ken Madden. That's M-A-D-D-E-N. Then there's also Tennessee Hot Sauce Company. They make fantastic hot sauces. In fact, I'm, I'm fairly certain Rico has decimated the last of it. So we're going to have to order more soon, too, uh, just for us. <laughs> but don't think that your window has closed. If you're going to see people after the holiday, you know you're going to be giving gifts later. Please, please, please. Check out these people. Check out the products that they're they're making, that they're selling. You're not only going to give a very fantastic gift that I assure you is of high quality and amazing, but you'll also be helping out a passionate being in this world who's doing all they can to turn up the light inside and live the life that they want to live. So it's people helping people, and I can't think of anything better to celebrate and endorse this holiday season. Thank you, listeners. Okay, so it feels like a good time to tell you guys why I actually bumped a few awesome interviews with other wonderful, wonderful people for Byron. He actually is going to be performing on New Year's Eve. So I wanted to give him a platform beforehand and make sure that this episode, this diary entry of his two-parter, so come back next week, airs for the two weeks leading up to his time in Riley, North Carolina. He's going to be performing at Good Nights Comedy Club, room 861, And if you don't have anything going on, you might want to take a trip down to North Carolina. I hear that they have fabulous people down there. Uh, And bring in the new year right with some laughter. Thanks so much, Diary listeners. Back to our podcast. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of artists are freaking out about that because they're they're losing uh, design jobs as a result of it. And it's like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, you can't well, beat them, join them, right? <laughs> well, and and the thing of it is is that like um uh I, I, what I was going to say is is that you're really going to lose if you're not willing to confront people because at the end of the day that's what people crave is that mm-hmm. connection to each other. That's what they're really willing to risk high for. Very and true. yeah. And when, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody who actually does develop AI tools in our, in our industry. And he was like, you know, when you're doing zoom, so much of our ability to communicate with each other is shut down. Like, like there's like a lot of sensory perception that we miss, you know, smell, mm-hmm. you know, there's certain body languages you don't, you're not able to see and you're not able to read. And I would imagine that it's, it's like that. I did public speaking for a while and it's, it's like that when you're in front of people, you can read a crowd and you can feel them at a certain level. And I would imagine that this tool really limits that ability. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It definitely does. I mean, even like, cause I'll give you an example. I'm doing a, a, a online comedy show and I'm looking at the blocks of people and, you know, you always, you always seem to like lock in on the block that you probably shouldn't be locked in. And, you know, there's a guy and his, in his boxers walking around feet and his cat, like, you're not even listening to the show. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that honestly is like a comedy yeah. special in itself. 
Yeah. <laughs> like if only, if only you could get people to like have some awareness about themselves as an exactly. audience. Oh my God. That is hilarious. Because if the tables could only turn. Exactly. Um, <laughs> where there's some accountability if you're in a crowd, you know, out in a place, you know, you have to dress, you know, you have yep. to close on or else you're not getting <laughs> Act in. Act accordingly. <laughs> and you have to stand there in front of a person and actually heckle, you know, face to face and be that kind of ballsy person. That's hilarious in itself. Um, <laughs> that's too funny. Um yeah, I and didn't, I didn't even think about it. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> all the Zoom calls that I've done have been like uh, talking to clients, you know, remotely yeah, for their tattoo. Yeah. You know, it's always been like we're professional here. Like we're not supposed to be doing. So that's that's interesting, man. Wow. Um, not and that was what I was going to ask you too. Is that like when you get on stage? I would imagine it's really kind of almost hard to see the crowd beyond the first row. Like you really can't. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, there's, like I said, uh, using the port again, because I'm there. I'm actually there tonight. <laughs> um, right on. It is, Yay. It's a small, like, 100-seater club. Uh-huh. But even it being small, I can't see past the second row, just yeah. with the lights and everything like that. So it's a lot of, you know, listening for voices if you're doing crowd work and kind of, you know, what's your name? What do you <laughs> try to figure out what they look like? Things like that. But um Honestly, the number one sense that I use when I'm on stage, I don't really have to look at the crowd, but I definitely am listening very intently. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm listening to everything that's going on in the crowd, even if like you're on your phone. I know you're on your phone. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and that can that can serve as a as a nugget that just kind of gives that audience a very rare because that's the beautiful thing about crowd work, right? Like, you yeah. know, yeah. they're getting something that no no other crowd will get. That's you know, kind of a spinoff of that moment. Um, I heard something, there's a, I started going to church a year ago and, uh, I have a favorite person at church. I mean, it should be my pastor. It is my pastor, but I have Mm -hmm. a favorite parishioner and, um, his name is Neil and he texts me little ditties. Uh, he's a, he's a much older gentleman. So he has no, like, he's always asking me questions about modern technology and he's like, what are people doing? Like, he's like, I'm so glad that the majority of my life was sane. And (laughs) (laughs) so he texted me this, uh, this wonderful thing. It just randomly, he'll send me stuff. He's like, listening is the first step to loving someone. Mm. And I, I think that that's, um, you know, if people always look at comedy sometimes as bullying, and I think it can be if you're not, um, if you're not genuinely listening, um, but but sure. comedy is supposed to remind people that, you know, we're absurd half the time, that this life yeah. is absurd. And if you want it to be less absurd, then maybe you need to focus in on that one spit, you know, spot and and turn it around a little bit. But it's a it's a loving awareness that you get when something is able to be made fun of, especially absolutely. if it can be. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, I just thought I would point that out because I think that, you know, the, uh, I don't think people realize the, the beauty in being, uh, chewed out, man. Like how (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, like if you do anything in life, you're going to get haters. Um, absolutely. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And I, sometimes I'm like, man, why am I up on this, you know, in this platform? I want to give you more of a mic, like, cause that was a good burn. That was a yeah. good burn. <laughs> <laughs> some of the, some of the reviews of this podcast, I'm like, dude, this is freaking hilarious. I'll post them up on my Instagram uh-huh. and be like, I did one, I framed it like it was a needle point. Like I, mm-hmm. I took a needle point font and like put it out there and I was like, look at this sick like one star <laughs> review that I got. This is the best. But you know, some people, <laughs> and I know people like this, literally just get on the internet to just troll oh, yeah. people. Like oh, yeah. <laughs> they don't feel the way they do. They just want to push your buttons. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I, I know that they're there. Um, yeah. 
I, 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 um, I pray for them. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. <laughs> Honestly, because, because, um, and there's a, you know, not to segue too much, but there's a, there's kind of a thought in, in a biblical or spiritual terms is that, you know, you fear, fear the, um, the, uh, person who's irreverent and, uh, who's a contrarian because they'll waste so much of your time and they don't care. Um, and, and there's nothing that you can do to actually prove anything to them. They're not somebody of a high proof or or need of because i could respect somebody who's like a doubting thomas he was the guy who was like an apostle of christ that was like i'm gonna need to put my fingers in the holes that he was (laughs) freaking strung up by in order for me to believe that this dude has risen from the dead i'm gonna need it i'm gonna need to touch it and feel it that's somebody who needs high proof of yes of things That person I can at least respect because they they need to be proven to. But if you're talking to somebody who just no matter what is playing the devil's advocate, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so I've made it a mission of mine to kind of like just put these people on display. Like whenever they dog me, I, I give them a platform and I just put them up. You know, my my boyfriend's like, no, you should block them. You shouldn't give them any time. I said, I block, I block like people trying to goad me into like buying their advertisement and stuff. I don't like those people. That is really annoying. But the people who take their time to be thorns on my side, I just give them a platform. (laughs) And I'm just like, look at this. Look at this person. Like, check yeah. this out. Look like, at I how don't... crazy they are. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wow. Wow. If they only took so much time to just actually do something. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Where's Absolutely. your podcast? <laughs> Where can I watch you? <laughs> oh, you don't have one? Oh, yeah. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I, I kind see, of. Sometimes I have to, I, in my line of work, I have to deal with those people in real time, like mm-hmm. actually in my face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and that brings us to another thing. I'm, I I don't know if comedy. It's probably a second thing that you do. But like, what's your your day job? I'm sure you have one. Um, I'm graphic designer. Um, okay. Part, I'm just part time graphic designer. Um, I work at Ground Control. Um, and then I do comedy. Yep. So you have three jobs. That's yeah. That's yep. great. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, wonderful. Um, do you have? do you have hopes that any one of them or are you just living the dream right now do you hope that any one of them will just take off i hope my comedy career does take off um you know any artist always gets discouraged you know um and i stay discouraged all the time but i i always have to take a step back and say you know every year you've been doing comedy you've had a better opportunity so next year is going to be better. And the year after that is going to be better. So, you know, I, that comparison is a thief of joy. So one thing that also I have to do is stop looking at my peers who are doing, you know, bigger shows than me and stuff like that. And, and, and you know, I always, when I see somebody, you know, doing something good, I praise them, you know, I give them their flowers, but sometimes in the back of my mind, I'm like, why am I not there yet? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I hear you. Um, do yeah. you, what would you say? Cause you said that, um, you were given, you were given notes in the beginning. What are some things that you feel like are still things that you, you struggle with, uh, going up there? Right now I, um, as in, as in my, my material wise or yeah, just... like for example, me, um, mm-hmm. I know this, I know that everything's better if you zoom out and you heighten contrast and you gotcha. skip the details, gotcha. but I love those juicy little details so much. Go. Gotcha. Um, I mean, I'm learning constantly something, mm-hmm. something new all the time. Um, right now what I'm working on is definitely getting my crowd work better. Mm-hmm. And I'll let you in on a little secret. 90% of comedians don't like doing crowd work. Mm. They, How come? It, they want to do their material. They want to mm. do what they wrote and they want you to laugh at that. Mm-hmm. Um, crowd work really honestly is just really, is the crowd during doing the work. 
Mm -hmm. um, you ask them a question, they're you're laughing at them. You're not laughing at the comedian. Yeah. If you really think about it. Yeah. So um, I definitely want to get better at it because that's where your following is going to come in. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing a lot of crowd work done on, on you know, crowd work clips on Instagram and YouTube. Um, that's because they want to put material out there um, that isn't their main material. So when you actually come to a show, you get to hear their jokes. Mm -hmm. um, so it's important to do crowd work. But if you come to one of my shows, I'm probably not going to do a lot of crowd work. Um, right. But if I do get to a good crowd work clip, that's the main thing I'm going to put on the internet because that's right. what's going to get you your followers in your crowd. You so know, going you, back, what do you think your struggle is with your crowd work? Um, I'm just... I'm not as quick-witted as some of my peers. Like, uh, there's a guy here, Umar Khan. Um, very good. He actually does a crowd work show every first Thursday at a comedy club near here. And um, he's just so quick. Matt Reif, super quick on his feet. Mm -hmm. I don't have that quickness, so... Um, my crowd works a little different. I can still get the laugh, but it's not like I'm going to come up with something quick and witty. I'm probably going to ask you the dumbest question possible and let you get the laugh for me. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a certain, that's yeah. a certain style. That's pretty good. It yeah. might, you know, uh, if you, if you lean into that, that's, um, you know, that that's a, that's a compassionate laugh where you're um, you're allowing somebody else to have a stage that if you, yep. if you brand it well, that could be really cool where, you know, mm -hmm. for instance, I was watching um, Miracle on 34th street and there was mm -hmm. a um, there's this part where Santa Claus, you know, he starts telling people, well, you can't get this here at Macy's, but you can go over here to Gimbel's and you can get it. And mm -hmm. Macy's ends up realizing like, Oh, their sales strategy was off people were loving the fact that they were willing to compassionately send people other places absolutely yeah and yeah. so i think that that might be something to embrace in itself you know as a as a mm -hmm. stylistic thing like hey dude I, you know if you want to take over the show go for it like <laughs> yeah. less work for me yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know like here you go my friend like that's yeah. um See, if I were to attempt comedy, I don't know. This might be just me in my own head, but I think that I would do awesome crowd work. Um, mm -hmm. uh, mostly just because I, I'm I'm like that. I'm like, oh, you want yeah. the stage? Like, here, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Less work for me, bro. Let's go yeah. for it. Um, and also, I, I meet so many people within... Um, you know, it makes sense that the kind of artist that you are is a graphic designer because um, there's a lot of control. There's a lot of back and forth with one entity where you're designing something very specific. But for me, I meet every kind of different person within my art and mm -hmm. I'm I'm able to meet with people for hours within uh, their chosen professions and really have these in-depth conversations with them about what they do, how they do it, what, and, and I'm designing a tattoo specifically for them. And mm -hmm. so the insights into different kinds of people is very diverse. Now, um, within graphic designing, for sure, you're, you're meeting on the back end with people like that in a, in a, in a way, but, um, people open up in a very real way when you're inflicting pain on them in ways yes. that they, they don't yeah. normally. <laughs> and so I feel like I'd have those quick digs that just come from references from clients that like <laughs> they've yeah. shared shit with me that like they didn't know was material. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. actually. <laughs> and and I, I have that all the time. And it's, and it's um, also when I did Toastmasters, for example, there's things called table topics that they would give you that were like a one or two minute, um, just, just quick, you know, like you get yeah. to comment on one thing. And that was where I shined. I was able to come up with something automatically and spin off of that immediate. Whereas, whereas I had a controlled speech, 
I found myself rushing. I, I found myself like not really being, I got really hung up on the material that I wanted to deliver. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that somebody walking around in their boxers, like that was so hilarious <laughs> yes, to me when you so said distracting. that. Because, oh my God, if I had that, I would be so, so distracted. <laughs> It's too yeah. funny, man. Um, that's such a great. <laughs> I might just, you know, I might have to put a clip of like when I post this, like of just somebody walking around in their boxers because, because <laughs> it's too funny. Um, um, but yeah, like uh, I, I think I would struggle with the actual long form material. Um, how do you? I, I guess now I can get to the the question that I had. What do you think your style is of comedy now that you've been developing it for about six years? It's changing as we speak. Okay. <laughs> very cool. Very, very um, cool. When I first started, you know, my first year I was doing stories. Um, mm-hmm. Then I started to realize that, you know, I can't do these stories without set up punchlines. Like I was going off stories and kind of the story itself being funny to get the laugh instead of there actually being jokes. Mm-hmm. So I really made a dramatic switch to almost doing one-liners um, where it's a distinct setup, distinct punchline. And then after I got really good at that, I started tagging it up before and, you know, before and after. So if I have a if I have a setup and I have a punchline, I'm probably going to have two tags before the punchline comes and maybe a tag after. Um, right now, what I'm working on is delivery. Um, I still have the style of uh, joke telling where it's, you know, you you know what the setup is and you know that a punchline is coming, you know, uh, type style. But I'm working on making it blow off my tongue like I'm having a conversation with you instead of me telling you a joke. Right. So I'm disguised. I'm learning now how to disguise that joke in just conversation type form, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, next next couple months, I'll probably be working on something else. I get so much inspiration from my peers. Yeah. Um, you know, when I see one of my friends, you know, killing on stage and, you know, he gets a great laugh. I'm, I, I'm, I'm like, how does he getting that laugh? You know, what, what's his joke structure? How is he delivering his jokes? You know, I'm not stealing material, but no, 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 I'm no. definitely looking at other people's styles to see, you know, what can I take from that? What could I learn from that to make my comedy funnier? You know, is there, um, is there aside from just, you know, you, you submit yourself to learn, uh have is there any place where comedians meet and they discuss how they how they do that or do is there is there any kind of educational forums that are available i I don't know are um but 99 percent of comedians really honestly just it's a crass course of self-learning yeah like no one really ever told me how to write a joke or Mm -hmm. You know, I've gotten ideas from people like, hey, you know, if you do a joke about this, that might be funny. And then I write the joke. But um, we used to have a writer's group that stopped meeting um, that was like once every other week. Mm -hmm. And it was just like I said, it wasn't like we were telling people how to tell the jokes. We were just giving them little seeds of, hey, this subject might be funny. Why don't you work on that? Or we might actually tell one of our jokes, you know, is there something I can add? Is there, do you you have a tag for this joke? Mm -hmm. Um, But that happens not very often. Um, One of my favorite times um, doing comedy on a regular, well, on a regular basis, I'm generally at the port on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday every week. Uh, It's one of our new, um, comedy clubs and the i would say the almost most of the best comics in the dmv go to work out their new material there so they have showcases on tuesdays and wednesdays and thursdays where you'll see the top comics like come and just work out new stuff they don't really do new material 
But one of my favorite things that I look for it all the time is when my friend Justo, he'll come in, he'll do his set, and he'll come back to the green room, and he'll literally say, um, trying to do a joke about this, go. And then everybody in the green room would just start spitballing ideas. And a lot of our jokes just come from just like being in the green room, like this joke ain't hitting the way I want it to. What could I do with it? Right. Or how can I add on to this joke? It's it's That's a awesome. lot of that. Yeah. And it's spontaneous. It's not like we planned. That's <laughs> <awesome>. Yeah. <laughs> I love that this happens Mondays and Tuesdays because quite frankly, yeah. um, I'm not. I mean, you mentioned going to the sidebar. I've been there. I've been dragged mm-hmm. there by friends who wanted to watch a punk show. And I was like, I, I wasn't into any of it. I have I have yeah. cousins that are in bands. And yeah, I know it sounds awful. Like, don't trust somebody who's not really into music. Um, but I it's not that I'm not into music. I'm I'm not into the crowds. Um, I, 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 I'm with you. <laughs> so, but a comedy special, you know, people have talked to me about um you know, what my thing is, I like going to lectures, I like going to public speaking venues. Um, I think I could, I would love to go and see you perform. And I'm happy that it happens on the two days off that I have. So yes. that's wonderful to know. And um, I I would love to, I would love to meet more and more comedians. Um, they're, <laughs> they're, I mean, I really... <laughs> I really think I get they're the... a strange they're a strange group of people. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. They're dark as shit. Like yeah. they're cynical. You yeah. have to be because um You have to. Yeah. You have to be. Uh I had a tattoo artist on here that said that he was a um an optimistic nihilist. And I was like, mm. Well, thank God you're optimistic about it. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of very strong individual personalities. Yes. Yeah. Uh, sometimes those personalities clash. I'm not gonna, you know, not gonna say oh. there isn't any beef between comedians, but most of the time it's really friendly. Mm-hmm. Uh we really look out for each other. Um yeah. You know, we're I a love bunch that. Of, we're we're all a bunch of egotistical <laughs> you know self-absorbed people but you know we you have to be borderline yeah. crazy because yeah. I, I say delusional yeah no <laughs> yeah <laughs> well no matter how deluded uh we all are uh we are we are super grateful byron thank you for joining us this is part one of your diary entry with us we have part two coming out next week but When we experience part two, it will be after we experience Christmas. So for all of you that celebrate, I wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. I I just hope it's a wonderful time with family and that everybody does exactly what they want to do for that holiday and uh, everything scales. Everything gets better as, uh, as we bring in this new year. I love you all. Thank you all. God bless as always. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. You can find The Apprenticeship Diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We We look look forward forward to hearing from from our our listeners. listeners.